This morning we're going to continue in chapter 24 of Matthew. Uh, the key verses for today will be Matthew uh, verses 29 through 35. But uh, as you turn to those, I'm going to do a little bit of review. And uh, I realize now this is going to be different. I can't turn around in case I miss my place in the words. And so, uh, uh, but in the way of review, we have to go clear back to the first three verses of chapter 24. Jesus left the temple and was going away when the disciples came to appoint out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, You see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be one left here, one stone upon another, that will not be thrown down. Very, very specific, you know, prophetic picture here. Not one stone left on top of the other. And verse 3 says, As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when will these things be? These things, the ones that he's just talked about in verse 2. And, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the close of the age? I, I'm trying to to picture this building uh, picture as they as they probably have already left the city of Jerusalem and just moved up a little bit up onto the Mount of Olives, but not all the way up yet. And and they they can see over the the into Jerusalem. They can see the temple buildings. They were magnificent. Herod had built this this temple. It had been in the process for years and years and years to to complete. And uh, it was an amazing architectural feat is some of the things that they did. And I, I guess it just, we can't comprehend it really because we have no actual photographs of it because it actually was destroyed. And the, the disciples were just saying, I, I think in a, in a context of looking down and, and seeing them and just thinking what an awesome thing to look at. What a beautiful sight. And then Jesus comes to them and He says, well, I'll tell you what, at some point, not one stone of that temple is going to be left standing on the other. So you can see their response. When will these things be, Jesus? You know, uh, when, 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 when's that going to happen? What's going to be is the signs of the ends of the time, the ends of the age? And, and I want you to understand that they had those things tied together. The destruction of the temple... And, and the end of the age was something that must be tied right together. There were some prophetic pictures going out of Zechariah, out of Daniel, other places that, that, that were there that they were going to draw, that they could draw from and they would have known. But, you know, the prophecy, some, you know, a prophecy about the, the destruction of the temple and then another prophecy about end times doesn't speak much about what happens in between. And so they're thinking this is all going to be tied together. And they, so they asked Jesus, when's this going to happen? And Jesus says that, that you know, through, through verses, uh, up through verse 14 at this point, uh, that uh, there's going to be an end of, of, of religion as you know it. There's going to be an end, and then there will ultimately be an end of the world. But even then, as we look at coming towards those things, and especially coming towards the end of the world, that's, those things that start to happen that mean it's coming are just the beginning of the labor pains. B.J. really pointed that clearly. It's just the beginning of the labor pains. In other words, this labor is going to be a long labor. 
And, uh, I, you know, again, it's one of those things where, you know, it's hard for a man to put himself into the full understanding of labor pains. Uh, you know, uh, but uh, uh, it's still that idea. And, and, and if you've been with the, your, your spouse uh, through the, your wife through a, a, a birth, sometimes uh, the labor simply seems to be going on and on and on. To the point where the doctor comes in and checks, and, and I've I've seen some long labors over the years that people sharing with me that they've gone to the hospital, labors already started, they come home, go back, go home, I'm home over a period of weeks, and you're thinking, is this when's this going to come? That's in a sense what Jesus is trying to get us to to feel. There's that sense of it it must be coming soon. I want you to grab a hold of that because that is the sense it's supposed to have. It must be coming soon. Well, hang on to that. But it's interesting because the signs that are mentioned in verse 4 through 8, the, 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 the false messiahs, false prophets, including uh, things that other uh, epistles add to this, the false teachers, uh, wars, rumors of wars, and that includes the idea of threats of wars. That idea of rumors is hearing of wars that aren't really happening and, and the idea of the threats of war. Okay? It kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? Okay? It should. You know, there's, there's going to be wars, rumors of wars, threats of wars, nation against nations, famines and earthquakes implied within that framework, natural disasters. What does earthquakes cause? Tsunamis. You know, all the things that go with that. And there were some great earthquakes in the first century, <laughs> you know, uh, that, that literally shook the world in a, in a sense. And, and some people were thinking even at that point, it must be over, it's going to happen. But, but the, the, he said, still, these are just, the, these are just the birth pains. They're just the beginning of the labor. False messiahs, false prophets. Nation against nation. Persecution and martyrdom uh, going on. Beginning of the labor pains. Then B.J. last week pointed out again, again very clearly that, 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 Labor is increasing, if you will. It's getting more intense. But even then, it's not done. It's not, it's not the end. And the, the key thing of, uh, uh, that he was able to share with us last week was the abomination of desolation. The, the destruction of the temple in 70 A.D. I believe that's what Jesus was referring to here uh, in, in verses 15, uh, and, and he went 15 through 28, but 15 through 22 thereabouts. I think that's what Jesus was referring to was 70 A.D. initially. That is a type, a picture of, of what is yet to come. And there could, but he says that there's not any, ever anything as bad as that. And somebody says, well, wait, there's been worse things that have happened. Not concentrated like that. Over a million and a half Jewish people died. Unbelievable atrocities within the framework of that. I won't go into it. You'll have to go to Josephus yourself. You can look it up online and and read about it. So, you know, what what BJ ended with last week was verses 26 and 27. Let me read those. So if they say to you, look, he, referring to the Lord, is in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, 
so will be the coming of the Son of Man. I don't know if you've ever been in a, a what would be typically a Midwest lightning storm. I have not been in the Midwest lightning storms, but I've been in storms in the, in the San Joaquin Valley that, that parallel that occasionally. And we, shows you how anxious I, and, and dumb I can be, um, we, we, we started, we lived in Tulare, California, and we started hearing the, the, the thunder and lightning and we lived out of town on 25 acres, and, and so not a lot of light around, so we turned off the porch lights, and I, and I went out and stood, and, and I was followed, so I wasn't out there being stupid by myself. And uh, either that or I was being protected, I'm not sure which. Uh, but anyway, and, and it was, we were right, you could look straight up and still see the stars, but all the way in circle around us, talk about Cinerama, you know, the lightning was just going, and, and it would crack over here and go clear over here. And I, I've never seen anything like that. It was amazing to me. Now, people that come out of the Midwest and in Texas and other places, you know, they say, oh, yeah, it happens all the time. Yeah. And not in my lifetime, and, and, and that was just phenomenal. And I was told afterwards that that wasn't a wise thing to do. But, but uh, it, was, it was just amazing. And uh, it was, I have, to be, I have to say, overwhelming. That's the kind of lightning that Jesus is talking about here. It, it's something you simply cannot miss. I, that's the important thing that he's trying to get. It's something you're not going to miss. And then, he, and then another verse, which is, is bizarre in my thinking, was where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. What a, what a strange colloquialism, you know. But that's what it was. And, and really, you understand it if you think about it. What happens when you, you have a, a, the current term, term would be carrion, a dead animal of some kind out in a field someplace? What do you almost always see? The vultures. How they know and whatever it is, I don't know, but they're drawn to it. And just as the vultures are drawn to the carrion, the dead animal, we will be drawn to this. We will see it. And you're not going to miss it. That's just all there is to it. And this is believers and unbelievers. You're not going to miss it. It's going to be something that's visible. Uh, we get into verse uh, 28 and 20 or 29. Excuse me. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. You can see the answering of these questions now. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. I pause for that long pause. Make sure you, you're, you're, you're hearing that. The, the nations of the world are going to mourn when they see the sign of the Son of Man. And it's going to be something they see. They're going to mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. I think of it as, as, as the times where the, the glory coming down on, the, on, the, on the, the temple. And we say the Shekinah glory, the glory and the light coming from the temple. Or if we were to go to Matthew chapter 17 in the transfiguration and everything changed and Jesus appeared glowing and, and in a cloud and, and, and pure and white. And, and it was something that was just amazing to, to, to John and, 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 and Peter. And James. He's, whoa, and 
and, and they saw Moses, you know, they, they said, should, should, should we make a place for him? You know, uh, it was just overwhelming to them. So can you imagine on a global sense how amazing this is going to be, but how, especially if you're not a believer, how intimidating it's going to be. And it appears that it's going to be obvious that judgment is at hand. That's why they mourn. If they're not a believer, they're frightened. Now contrast that with, with, with how our reaction will be to it. You know, when he sends out, it says he's going to send out his angels and allow trumpet and they're going to gather us up. We're going to be dancing on the tables when this happens, in a sense. That should be the contrast. I don't literally mean that, but as a metaphor. You know, we, we say people, when they're really excited, they're dancing on the table, you know. Uh, these, and, and it was put to me then as a metaphor to sit picture uh, that, uh, you know, the, the people that are, are mourning, the majority of the world, the nations are looking at this and seeing it and they're saying, oh my gosh, just like the angels when they appeared with Jesus' birth, the, the, the shepherds were frightened. Why? Because they thought judgment was at hand. You know, they're not ready. Uh, but but here they, they they realize the end is coming. We're not ready, and they're mourning. Where are they? They're hiding under the tables. Where are the Christians on top of the tables praising God? We're excited. We're overjoyed. He's come, and we see it. Not only do we see it, but we also hear it. Notice the the verse talking in loud trumpet sound. First Thessalonians uh, talks about the, the coming of the Lord and the sound of the trumpet. You know, and, and everybody will you know. Now, there are some movies that show the only people who hear the sound of the trumpet are the Christians and this type of thing. That's not what it's saying here. It's saying very clearly that it's, it's something that everything is happening in a way that is visible to everyone alive. So immediately after the tribulation, verse 29, of those days, the days referring to the false prophets and the destruction of the temple and, 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 uh, and, and that, that period, after those days, Jesus will, you know, immediately after those days, Jesus' return is going to be the next step. What I'm trying to say is, is that between 70 A.D. and now, Nothing else has had to be fulfilled in order for Jesus to come. Now, as we go through history, people get sidetracked. And, you know, uh, I know that, that the World War I, World War II, that was never supposed to happen, uh, you know, prompted a lot of people to say the end must be near. What Jesus is trying to point out to us is the end is near, meaning nothing else has to be done. Are you ready? Are you ready? That's what, what he wants to have us understand from this. Uh, it, it's going to happen. When it happens, it's going to be a cosmic event. The earth's heavens are going to shake. Uh, the sun, the moon, the stars are going to change. You're not going to miss this. It's going to be visible. But he gives no clues as to how far off this is. Now, the only clue we get that I, I think is, is one to look at is is out of Second uh, Peter. Do not overlook this one fact. Second Peter, uh, chapter three, verse eight. 
that the Lord one day, that to the Lord the one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise as some account slowness, but He is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But that day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. The heavens will pass away and the roar, with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. In other words, it will be a day of judgment when He does come. It's going to happen with these same cataclysmic events that that Jesus is talking about here. And it's going to be something that is is global in its nature. And and, and He's saying, you need to be ready. And and that's what Peter's saying. You realize for Peter, they were already probably saying to him, when, Peter, when? You've been telling us it can happen any time, Peter, when? Our time is not God's time. God's timing is perfect. Just as the coming of Christ was perfect at the perfect right time, His second coming will be at the perfect right time. As many as can be in Him will be in Him. As many as can be saved will be saved. And at that point in time, He returns. Well, you know, but can't you at least give us a hint? He doesn't. And I believe personally it's because every generation, it's end times. There's not one of us in this room that has the second generation to live. Now somebody says, well, wait a minute, the generation is 40 years and somebody lives 80s, he's lived two generations. You know, don't, don't, don't get technical on this in the sense of we have one life to live and then what happens? The judgment. Hebrews is clear about that. So... You know, this is in times for us. Everyone in this room, it is in times. And there's a particular picture in our mind that Jesus wants us to live with in the sense of the urgency of His coming. What are some of the things we'll do? And we won't get into that immediately. But, but just knowing that it, it, it's, it's the way He wants us to be thinking here. The sign of the Son of Man appears in heaven. And the, and the nations mourn again because judgment is coming. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven. By the way, a number of the commentators I looked at here said that is the sign. The Son of Man on the clouds coming. That's the sign of His coming. (laughs) It's going to happen before... You're not going to have a warning shot. We're not going to have an earthquake necessarily. In fact, I think it was Spurgeon that was the one that said that if, if, if... if, if there's somebody is preaching a particular day, he doesn't think of what can happen on that day then. You know, it, that one's out. Um, but it's, it's going to happen suddenly. He comes on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And, and again, this great glory is intense. I, I believe it exceeds the glory of the tabernacle and the transfiguration. It's His second coming. It's after His ascension. It's going to be amazing. Contrast that to His first coming. Now, when I was first challenged by that by one of the commentators I was reading, I I thought, well, it was pretty loud. Angels singing in heaven. And it was obvious. I mean, the shepherds saw the angels and heard them speak. It was pretty miraculous, pretty glorious. But then where did they go to find Him? Did they find Jesus 
in His glory and in His clouds and 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 and, and the, the just you know um, you know amazing. And some of the pictures show us with a golden halo around that, that that's a nice spot, but it wasn't there. Um, you know, they came and just saw this baby laying in a manger. In fact, they were probably pretty much amazed. If the angels hadn't said, you're going to find him laying in a manger, they would have said, can't be. His first coming was humble. He came as a man in the flesh. He has experienced all the things that the flesh can experience, it tells us. There isn't anything that we are tempted by that he doesn't cover in his life. And so, he came humble as a man. And the ultimate humiliation was that he hung on the cross. He was hung on a tree, is the picture of the Old Testament, which was the ultimate shame. But his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, and even that had to be glorious. He ascended into the clouds. There had to be some amazement in all of that. I don't believe any of that compares to what we're talking about here as to what's going to be seen. Angels. Trumpet call. Visible to everyone. Visible and audible to everyone. And what are the angels here to do? They're here doing what they've always done, serving us. The angels are, are, have been appointed by God to bring, be our servants. We get that idea of guardian angel from that kind of a picture. But the idea is, is that they're there taking care of us, looking after us, helping us to persevere, if you will, and, and stay in, in, in our walk with the Lord. And, and now they're, they're, they're getting to do their final, one of their, you know, their final thing, in a sense, for us, and, and that is they gather us. And they gather us up. And it says they're gathering of His... Elect, showing ownership. Our Savior is our, the one who owns us. We were, we've never been owned by ourselves. We've, we, we had the illusion, but we were either owned by Satan or owned by, by, by God. And, and it's saying His elect, His chosen church, the people that He comes after. I love the, the picture in, 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 in uh, the Gospel of John. Um, Chapter 10, uh, where we're talking about the good shepherd and, and, and all that goes with that. And, and uh, in verse 27, it, it, he talks about, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Give them, uh, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And then this, And no one will snatch them out of my hand. What an awesome picture. We are the chosen of Christ. We are His church, His body, His brothers and sisters. All the different terminologies that is used. We're joint heirs. Go to Romans chapter 8 with Jesus. Now, we are special in this picture. And the angels come and they gather us out of all of the, of, of, of the turmoil that will be at that time. Whatever it is, they gather us. And, 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 and so we're excited about this second coming. Because we know that we are His. And He's come for us. He's told us ahead of time. He says, from the four winds uh, to the end of uh, one end of heaven to the other, 
again, that picture of the lightning and everything else is, is that it's, it's a global event. It doesn't happen as the sun rises going around the world or something like that. It just, boom, happens. Wow. <laughs> Love emphasis. Uh, so, with that picture, we come to, to, to an, uh, a, a metaphor or a picture, that, uh, uh, kind of a parable for Jesus. The lesson of the fig tree is how it's uh, titled in, in, in the, the uh, ESV version. It says, verse 32, From the fig tree learn this lesson. As, as soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out leaves, you know that summer is near. I'm not a person that deals with horticulture in fact, I, I'm generally not allowed to touch the plants. My daughter and my son do the garden and stuff like that. Uh, huh? My wife, excuse me. Oh. Black thumb. Yeah. And and so uh, yeah, but but you know, it's the the tender branches is is when it, the sap is beginning to run. The branches aren't brittle anymore. They're supple. They bend easy. They don't just snap right off. We have a walnut tree out in our yard, and it's similar to that. That it, During the winter, it's brittle. But now it's beginning to get supple because the, the buds are starting to come out and, the, and, and we're seeing the buds of leaves start to come out. And, and uh, soon the, the walnuts will start to develop. And so you, that picture is something that's typical that anybody that comes out of a, a, an agrarian society probably understands. And so he uses this picture. Just like what you see in a fig tree uh, you know that the, that the summer is near. It happens in the spring and the summer's around the corner. So, also, when you see all these things, you know that He, Christ, is near as the ver- at the very gate. When you see what things? Going back to the verses that deals with the, 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 the false messiahs, the false uh, prophets, and the destruction of the temple, 70 A.D. Some of say, but yeah, there's this huge gap. Yep. thousand, two thousand. In fact, some people have even taken that. Two thousand, one thousand, two thousand years. Now it's going to happen. You know, people, different things that people have tried to figure out. Oh, let's see. Israel became a nation in 1948, therefore 1988. Forty years. You know, we're always trying to plug it in somewhere. Jesus says, stop worrying about that. It's not going to happen with a, with a forewarning. It's going to happen when it happens. You just be ready. That's the important thing. Are you saved? Do you have a relationship with me? Are you walking with me? He's near right now, in other words. It could happen before the service is over. So somebody's probably supposed to be thinking already, Maranatha, come soon, Lord Jesus. That's the way we're to live our life. The generation will not pace away until all these things take place, meaning the, that, that lifetime that the, the, as they heard these things that Jesus was teaching would happen within you know, the next 40 years, and it did. Okay, But that's still the intensifying of the birth pains, but it's not the final picture. It has been a long labor. But God doesn't want to miss a stroke that will bring anyone to Him. And He knows the timing of that. We need to be confident to rest in that. And that's really how He finishes this section up. 
uh, you know, uh, you know, the the idea of of, of you know, he says I, uh, that his word uh, is is something that is, you know, uh, verse thirty five uh, actually uh, is heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. His words are fixed. You can bank on what He promises. We've sang about it this morning. We're banking on His coming. We're banking on His promises. He says you can do that with absolute confidence. Because His Word is His Word. And we've been blessed to have it given to us through the Holy Spirit that we might see it. It's permanent. It's eternal. It will never pass away. It's not like anything of the world. So the question comes to this is, where are you anchored? <laughs> you know, and I, and I was thinking of an old hymn even then when I, when I put that down. You know, but where are you anchored? What are your priorities in life day to day? For believers, well, let's first think about what it typically is. And I confess that I'm in this category too. Circumstances around me. Day to day, thinking about various and sundry things that are either going to hinder or, or help my, me to get through the day, whatever. And, and, I, and I'm focused on getting through the day and getting things accomplished. And a lot of things that I accomplish in any given day probably aren't really important to the overall picture of, of the world coming to an end. Uh, but but the, the idea of just day to day, I'm, I'm, I'm keyed with the circumstances around me. Current events. War in Israel. You know, in 1966, <laughs> 66 or 67? 67. Seven-day war. Man, I, that was the first time I'd ever heard of end times. And a, a, a girl that I knew in high school who was a church person, I was not, gave me a newspaper that was showing the end times. You know, and it was showing the world all crunched up and grave sites opened and all sorts of things and the rapture had occurred. I read this thing through it. I have to confess it was fascinating. But I, I read it like a graphic novel. I didn't read it like it was something that was going to happen. It, and the articles were playing. You, you better be ready because it is happening now, right around us. Well, that's been more than a generation behind us now. Uh, and and he's, he's, his timing is his timing. We can depend on his words though. He is going to do this. He is going to come. And when he does, we, the elect, the church, the, those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ, confessed with their mouth, believed in their heart that Jesus is Lord, we will be dancing in the streets. We will be celebrating. We will be rejoicing. There'll be no hint of mourning in us. I think we'll be in awe. I think we'll be in great wonder. But it won't be a, 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 there won't be any fright to it because we'll know. The Holy Spirit in us will confirm it for us. This is what you've been waiting for. It's what we long for. What do we do with all these trials and tribulations then while we're waiting? You know, we, we look at this idea of are we caught up with the circumstances? Are we caught up with current events? Are we caught up with the state of the union? You know, there isn't a day go by that the news isn't more caught up with that than, than other things that might be interesting. Uh, and, and so, 
you know, we, we look at that and, and, and realize that, uh, again, you kind of get that, Maranatha, come soon, Lord Jesus. How long? Oh, uh, that's right, Second Peter 3. Um, and so we have all these trials and tribulations. There's persecution still in the world today. It's subtle in our culture, but it's, it's, it's life-threatening in other cultures. And, and we look at that and, and, and we say, what are we to do with this? What, what good is this? What, how do we live through this? How do we celebrate uh, the Lord in the process of this? And what Paul writes to the Romans, he says, Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, we're at peace. Justified. We sang that this morning. We are justified. God is satisfied. The debt has been paid. We're at peace with God. And because of that, through Him we also have obtained access by faith into His grace in which we stand. We are to stand daily with the confidence that we are in His grace. You know, I, I don't suggest that you get into some you know, you know, physical mantra of some kind, you know, you know, touching your hands, your feet, your, your, your breastplate, you know, the things of the armor of God and stuff, but that's not a bad idea. Uh, but to, to wake up and ask the Lord, cause me to wake up with the confidence that I am in your grace, that you are with me. That it's, a, it's, it's not a, an occasional experience, but a constant occur, occasion. It's a constant reality for us. His words are firm. Verse 36, I'm not going to go into detail on it, uh, says no one knows the time. No, you know, you know and, and we'll come back to that. But let me go back to, to, to chapter 5, Romans. Uh, Through Him we've attained access by faith into the grace in which we stand. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. I'm not particularly good at that. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. In other words, it's not going to let us down. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We have the Holy Spirit. People all over the world are going through trials and tribulations, but we are the chosen children of God. We are the elect. We are the ones He has called. He has put His Holy Spirit in us. No matter what the circumstances are, we know who we are eternally. And we know how it ends. And so in the midst of circumstances, we can rejoice. And our rejoicing, by the way, our approach to life and the way we see life as we go through these times becomes part of our witness and our testimony to others. There will be times where people will come and say, how are you surviving this? How do you get through this? How did you get through that? And the door is opened to share the Gospel. No one knows the time, I say, no worries. No one knows the time. That's God's plan. He doesn't want us to know the time. He has a reason. The elect and the church are secure in His hand. Nobody's going to snatch us out of it. Trials, tribulation, persecution, 
We're there to strengthen us when we rest in Christ. It may tear on other people, may bring tremendous anxiety and, and desperation and depression, but in Christ we find strength. And even though there's trials and tribulations, we know how it ends. And we can rest with confidence in that. So what we long for, Maranatha, come soon, Lord Jesus. Perfectly right to say, come, uh, you know, uh, I remember we started out our, our parenting with the Lord will come before our daughter's a teenager. <laughs> Have you had a phone call? <laughs> you know, <laughs> working on our fifth grandchild. Uh, you know, uh, Jessica's due any day now. Uh, it obviously didn't happen. She's, she just turned 43. So, uh, uh, you know, was it wrong to long for, to come, for him to come? No. Is it wrong to be in anticipation? No, that's what he wants us to be. We're to live a life of kind of an excitement and enthusiasm. He is going to come, and no matter what, if we die, we're not, that we're, there's still that, that unification in a special way, but we win. Death has lost its sting. You know, so, so we have that confidence. And, and, and so we come together every Sunday. Here we celebrate with communion as well. And I say celebrate. This isn't a sad, a, a sad, tragic moment. It's an awesome moment of remembering what Christ has done for us and realizing that through this, God has kept His promise to us. He has opened the door to eternity. All who confess Christ with their, with their, their mouth and believe in their heart that He is Lord are saved. And as we share communion, we are acknowledging what He has done for us, how we were saved. By the blood of Jesus Christ. Listen to, uh, might as well since I'm in, in Romans already, just read uh, a few more verses. I stopped at verse 5, picking up at verse 6. For a while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us that and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. Judgment is covered. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by His life. More than that, we shall rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received reconciliation and so we can dance in the streets until we, He comes either through our death or He comes as, as the glorious come of, of end times and, and the, the establishment of, of eternity and His kingdom is, is complete. Or, or, or now, we, we dance with anticipation. We dance with excitement. Somebody says, well, you don't, you, I don't ever see you dance, Bob. You, you probably won't because I fall over. Uh, but... It's, it, the idea of the dancing is as much a metaphor as it is a physical act. It's here. It's confidence. It's knowing. He came at the right time to save us. He is going to come at the right time to, to complete His work and, and establish the, the, the finality of His kingdom established forever. What a powerful, powerful God we have. What an awesome God we have. And to know that we rest in Him is our security. Uh, I ask the ushers to come forward and to pass out the communion. Uh, worship team, come forward.
and uh, hold the communion until we've all been served and we'll share together.